all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about the bridging of the word gap. What can we do? So you may wonder what this is about, um, but I just want you to listen to this information because it is so important and so very important for our state. The first signs of lower outcomes for children who live in low-income families and in poverty can be seen as early as 9 to 18 months. The gap only gets larger as children grow. And there's some evidence that, um, and we'll be talking to one of the leading researchers in this area, uh, Dr. Judith Carter, in a few minutes, there is evidence out there that as a child grows, by the time they end their fourth year of life, they will have heard, if they live in poverty or low-income families, 30 million fewer words than those who live in middle or upper income families. So what's happening? Why is that happening? Um, Is there something we can do to overcome it? So I want you to talk about what's happening in your life. Do you have some thoughts or comments or experiences with us? about what you learned, how you grew up, or perhaps what you're doing with your child, you can call in and join us by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So um, in Mississippi, about 30% of our children live in poverty. And almost 60% of our children totally live in lower-income families. In our surrounding states, it varies from 40 to 50% uh, of, of individuals' children in families with low income. And, and the reason uh, you need to hear that is because there is evidence that our children, as I mentioned just a minute ago, that our children who live in these low-income families perhaps are ending up with sort of a false start for kindergarten. So by the time a child enters kindergarten, um, they are already behind because of just... One of the reasons, not not all the reasons, but one of the reasons seems to be that they just hear fewer words in their household. So why is that? What's going on? What can we do? How can we help? Um, 
this information's been out there, but what we're trying to do is get get it disseminated, get people to hear it better and listen to what you can do. So whether or not you are one of those parents who have a child in a low-income family, or if you're an individual, a teacher, a grandparent, a relative, a neighbor who perhaps can help, you really need to listen to this information so you can know what we all should be doing to help our children as they grow to make sure they have the right um, experiences, the right benefits, the right abilities as they move into school. Five years old is too late. You've heard me say that on the radio before. If we wait until a child enters kindergarten, um, and we still don't have mandatory kindergarten in our state, which we need, but if we wait until a child enters kindergarten, they're already behind and they already do not have a fair start. So with all that, I would like to, I'm just delighted to have Dr. Judith Carter. Um, She is the director of Bridging the Word Gap Research Network at the University of Kansas. And so um, Judith's on the phone with us today. Judy, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being with us today. Well, good morning, Dr. Butros, and I'm, I'm just delighted to be here uh, to talk with you and to uh, uh, talk with your listeners as well. This is a, a topic that I've been just passionate about for so long, and I'm always glad to have an opportunity to share this information. Well, thanks so much. And, and I know you you say this, you preach this all the time, and we appreciate you um, joining us here in Mississippi, and we have surrounding states who listen, Tennessee, Alabama, and Louisiana. And so this is pertinent to everybody in the U.S., right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, I think it's a message that everybody needs to hear, uh, no matter what income level they're from or what kind of cultural background they're from, uh, how important it is that that uh, in the earliest years uh, we are are making sure that children are hearing a lot of words and they're interacting with all the people around them and that the earliest years of a child's life can make all the difference in terms of their their success later on. So, yes, um, our state has been good in that we now have a dyslexia screening. We have a mandatory reading um, level screening in the third grade. Um, but, But what your research and other research shows is that that's probably really late to be stopping and take taking notice right right exactly i think uh, you know as you mentioned earlier uh, we can we can see some of the first signs of children starting to fall behind in their development uh, in terms of um of uh, language and and uh, intellectual development as early as 9 months old and so, which um, is just amazing, but yeah. you know we've talked about the developmental um, progression, and a nine-month-old is often understanding quite quite a few words, right? It is, and yeah. I think that that's it's kind of been um, a misunderstanding that uh, most people have had uh, that that just because children aren't um, talking yet, that they're not um, that they're not really taking in what they're learning from their environment. But children, 
from the very earliest months of life are, are, um, are learning from what's going on around them in their environment. And so it's, it's up to all of the, the people in their homes and in their environments to make sure that, that children are starting to make connections between what they see and, and, uh, and the words that, uh, that describe what they're seeing. This is something pretty phenomenal that that um, you have in your literature is that children who are poor readers by the end of the first grade almost never acquire average um, average level reading skills by the end of the elementary school. That's that's something that we need to take note of. That we don't again we don't we don't want to wait. Um, so. Tell us, uh, Judy, if you will, a little bit about your um, the thirty million word gap. I just think that research that that your group did is is so very important for our listening audience to hear. Sure, I'd be glad to share that. Um, so uh, the the whole idea about the thirty million word gap uh, grew out of research that was done here in the Kansas City area. Oh, back in the early 1990s, so it, it was quite a long time mm-hmm. ago, and the researchers, uh, doctors Betty Hart and Todd Risley, they carried out a study um, that examined what was going on as children were first beginning uh, to, to learn language, to learn words, you know, starting at around nine months. And what, what they did was to observe and record all the words that children were hearing from the time they were uh, nine months to about the time they were three years old. And what they did was to go into uh, mm-hmm. parents' homes and the, the homes where children were living, and they, re- uh, they recorded for one hour every month all the words that children were hearing and all the, from all the people in their home environments. And uh, they observed that the children who came from low-income families heard 600 words per hour Mm -hmm. uh, compared to uh, uh, children from families from higher-income families that heard 2,100 words. So 600 compared to 2,100 words difference in one hour. And what they did then was to to figure out how that – uh, difference in number of words heard per hour, uh, w- how that accumulated over time so that by the time children were four years old, the difference in the total number of words that children heard uh, when they were, uh, as they were growing uh, up until they reached four years old was 30 million word difference between the uh, children from higher income families versus the lower-income families. And so the reason that that's so different, that's so important, that 30 million word gap, is um, that that difference really um, correlates exactly to the the size of children's vocabulary by the time Mm -hmm. children are four. And, And so we know that children's vocabulary by the time they're four is about 1,200 words, uh, if they're right. in higher income families compared right. to uh, 500 words for children from lower income families. So more than twice the size of vocabulary already by the time children are four. And, and we know that that's important because vocabulary is like the foundation for children to be able to learn to read. 
Absolutely. This is this is just such interesting information. So is it just lack of money or what's going on? What we'll do is we'll go ahead and take our first break. And then when we come back, um, we'll discuss a little bit about what are some of the reasons behind that? Is If we just throw money at it, will that fix it? Um, or is there something else out there we can do that doesn't take a lot of money? Um, we're talking about the 30 million word gap by age four. We're talking with Dr. Judith Carter from Kansas City and some of the research done. If you have any questions, if you want to join in the conversation, please do. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Marshall Ramsey. There's nothing like sitting down with a good cup of coffee and having an interesting conversation with someone you admire. Our guest this week is the host of MPB Southern Remedy, Dr. Rick DeShazo. That was the first time I really understood health disparities because we've got societal issues and racial issues pancaked. Right. And and that makes it very difficult. Sundays at 5.30 and Thursdays at 10 on MPB. Listen again to stories and shows at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here today with Dr. Judith Carter, who is Carta, who is a, a researcher from uh, Kansas City, and she has been working in the area of bridging the word gap. Um, the research network there at the University of Kansas. And today we're talking about um, how, what do we need to do to help children who are impoverished, who live in impoverished or lower income families? What do we need to do to help expand that vocabulary? We've heard that um, children who live in lower income families, on average, have around 30 million fewer words heard in their homes by the time they are age four. So what do we need to do and how can we help that? Before the break, I mentioned um, maybe what's the cause. And so, Dr. Carta, will you please talk to us a little bit about what some of the causes might be? Why, why are these fewer words spoken in the home? Well, you know, I, um we think that a lot of uh, that has to do with the fact that many um, parents themselves have not um, 
had an opportunity as they were growing up to be to be given good models of of talking um, with their children. Right. You know, um, and they and um, many times I think parents grow up uh, with the myth that they don't need to be talking to uh, very young children, and so uh, it's it's. It's something um, about, you know, what you learn as a child in, in terms of the, the style of interaction influences you then when you become an adult. Exactly. And so one of the things that we're, we're trying to do is to help parents understand how important it is just to talk more with their children and to interact more with their children. And um, because... Uh, every you know everything that a parent does in the course of a day with a child can become a, a learning opportunity, a language learning opportunity, because uh, that interaction that they have uh, with their child about what the child is seeing or smelling or hearing um, becomes a, a time that uh, they can talk about the that that stuff that the child is seeing. Um, and then that becomes opportunities for learning new words. Right. Um, uh, uh, Judy, I, I really, you'll, you'll be delighted to hear. When I was talking to Java Chapman, who is in the booth today being our engineer, um, when I was talking to him about the 30 million word gap, he said, yeah, yeah, I know about that. And he said, he gave the example, and I think for our listening audience, this is such a wonderful one. Java, do you want to come on and just do it for us? Um, he is. He's going to do it for us because yeah. he's got it. Yeah, Go it was an example like when I was uh, formerly was a teacher. So in our education courses, we would talk about this where as a scenario of a child and uh, the parent are in the grocery store. So let's just say there's a can of beans on the um, on the shelf. So at the at the lowest level, you would say can of beans. And then in the medium, uh, the middle section, you would say uh, big can. A This is a big can of beans. And then at the high level, you would say this is a big can of Bush's baked beans dipped in onion sauce. There you go. <laughs> you got it. I thought that was such a wonderful example that he had because that's exactly right. And, you know, there's some people who are just naturally not very conversant. They don't say a lot of words. Um, right. They think a lot about every single word they say, and when they say something, it's very measured. And, you know, like I tell parents all the time, this is not a time, when you have a young child in your home, this is not a time to be silent. You know, back in the old days, um, children were supposed to be seen and not heard, That's right? Right. right? Yep. And so you just, you sat there and you were quiet. And until somebody spoke to you, you didn't speak back. Um, and and we know that's really not the right model. And many of us receive that type of model uh, yep. many, it, it, when, as we were growing up. So. Yep, and I, uh, um, um, myself included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I'm definitely, I'm Lebanese, 
grandparents from the old country, and boy, mm-hmm. that was the word. You just mm-hmm. were, right. were quiet. Now, luckily, uh, my parents um, somehow got out of that model, and, you know, Dad would have a word, a word of the week that we had to learn. And oh. so, yeah. yeah, so that puts you immediately at an advantage. And so what we want to do is get everybody on level ground, get get everybody so that they have the advantage of hearing lots of words and there's not that disparity in early vocabulary that we we see. So um so Judy, talk to us a little more about what what we can do, how we can sure. help. Sure. Well, you know um what I think one thing that uh, parents can do is think about uh, what we refer to as the three T's. And the three T's stand for tune in, talk more, Mm -hmm. and take turns. So let me tell you about each of those things. So tune in means the things that you can be um, talking about are the things that the child is paying attention to. And that'll have the biggest impact on the child because they're already interested in in things around them in their environment. So if you talk about those things, it's gonna it's gonna more likely be something that they remember. So tune in is number one, and second, talk more. And so using words to describe what's going on in every routine that you do with your child, whether it's diapering the child or uh, you know when when you're um, at the supermarket, as as you uh, as we talked about in the example right. earlier, right. or when you're uh, in the car, talk about things that you see and your child is seeing, and uh, tune in, talk more, and then take turns. So don't just talk at the child all the time, but wait for the child's response. If they're already starting to talk, um, uh, uh, expand on what they had to say. So just like in uh, uh, Jade. Jada's um, example there, Um, expand on on what the child says. So tune in, talk more, and take turns is something that that, uh, parents and families can be doing with their individual children. And, you know, that doesn't take any money at all. You don't have to put an expensive... A computer in front of a child to 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 or you know give them an app for for learning more language. It's something that a, a a parent can do that takes no money at all. Tune in, take more, talk more, and take turns. Take turns. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, and that's something that that will definitely get out there um, to the group. Um, Judy, you had some wonderful a PowerPoint presentation. Will it be all right with you if we post this um, on our website? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Because and, and uh, yeah. what you'll see on there are a lot of different examples of uh, things that different communities are doing to get the word out about how important it is to talk more with uh, with babies. Yes, um, we have our first caller. We have some other open lines. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send a question or a comment to family at mpbonline.org. But let's go on uh, to Sonia in Ocean Springs. Good morning, Sonia. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I wanted to make a comment. I think one of the factors could be the stress. I know know when I was uh, married and a stay-at-home mom and I had my children, I, I talked with them more and I was more calm and you know, wanting to talk to him. But when I got divorced, 
and uh, things, you know, and I got really poor, <laughs> then I didn't want to talk to my children as much. I didn't communicate as much because I was in distress. Right. I think stress plays a big factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. That those adverse events that we've talked about on radio before, those negative things that happen can affect so much of of your life. Uh, so, Sonia, you may have been trying to adjust to the change in, in your income level. You were probably um, a little sad about a, a relationship that was no more. Nobody gets married expecting to be divorced. So, yes. yeah, there there are a lot of reasons that go on. And so uh, one thing I want to make sure as we're, we're talking about this topic is to make sure that parents are not hearing who are living in low-income families. This is not finger pointing. This is saying we know their reasons. We know that that you are likely stressed. You may be working two or three jobs just trying to make ends meet and you may come home very exhausted. Um, so if you are having difficulty in that area, try to reach out. But this also is a message to our village, to the community, to those out there to remember that that these parents may need some help with um, with with maybe maybe reading to the child volunteer to be a reader um it it may be a time that that you the teacher or you the grandparent or perhaps the friend of that individual can help with increasing interaction um sonia you brought up a point i was definitely planning on on bringing up because that's an issue and and in in the research judy i believe that that has been discussed right oh absolutely so you know we know that um, that that um, you know uh, having a low income can also uh, bring along with it not only stress but depression as well and and it's really difficult um, you know it's a it's challenging for many uh, young parents but I think it's it also as you pointed out uh, dr. buttress it's it's incumbent upon all of us to be helping families, and it's not just the parents' role to be uh, interacting and talking with the child. It's everybody around that child. And so, you know, we want to make sure that, that the grandparents, that uh, the child care provider, um, that the person in the grocery store, everybody is talking to, to uh, the young children in, in, uh, in those families. And so uh, it's not all uh, you know, it's not something we want to just load on the on the mother or on, only on the father, but but everybody in the child's environment should be helping to support that child's early development. Right. And so um, as we as we move along, I think the other thing that we've talked about on this show before is even our education system. Um, in the old days, again, you were supposed to be quiet and you were supposed to just sit in your seat and listen to the teacher who was in the front of the classroom. And in most schools, hopefully, we are moving now more to interactive um, sharing situations 
situations that are so important. So it expands far beyond just the home, but in child care centers and learning centers and in preschools, um, that is the way we need to be approaching everything. Uh, so that so that children will hear all those words and and no one will have that word gap or that word deficit that is out there that 's um, a, a great point yeah and I guess another point that I would kind of um, piggyback onto that sure. is you know we used to talk about children as being sponges, <laughs> but I really don 't like that um, that metaphor because they don 't just absorb information as much as they learn from interaction and, and uh, active exploration and interaction with, with other people. So they need to be active to learn and, and active in, in, in interacting, and they don't just sit there passively and absorb things that are around them. Right. There's some information out there um, about what neglect can do, and certainly we're not call, calling this neglect. But, mm-hmm. um, but if you if you have, for example, a one year old who points to a dog and says "dog," and you turn around and say, "That's right, dog. That's a puppy dog. That's a blue, you know, a." Mm-hmm. whatever, um, and reinforce it, then the child gets excited and is more likely to try to repeat that again. If you completely ignore that child, then the behavior is not reinforced, and eventually that behavior will go away, right? Right. right. So, every, you know, we talk about every interaction is an opportunity to build a child's brain. And, you know, one of my colleagues down in Georgia talks about talk as being like language nutrition. You're, you're, what you're oh, doing like is that. Building, building the child's brain with, with everything you say and everything you do with a child. Well, thank you so much, Judy. I know that you are a very busy individual and um, you, you, have given us some great information. We will post your Bridging the Word Gap on on our um, Facebook site, our webpage, and get that information out there with some of the things that it, it really is interesting. At the end of the slide presentation, uh, there's some information there on what other people are doing in other states. Great. Um, so thanks so much. Thanks for your continued work. We appreciate everything you you continue to do for these children. Well, thank you, Dr. Butros, and have a great day. Thank you. Well, we'll go to our next break, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about um, just early childhood, what we need to be doing, how we can help parents in need. Uh, Give us a call if you have, you perhaps have some um, services out there, or if you have some additional comments or thoughts about what we were talking about the word gap. Please join us. You can call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we are talking about bridging the word gap. The fact that as early as 9 to 18 months, if a child lives in a lower-income family, there appears to be a word gap that grows and the gap gets bigger as the child gets older and by the time a child is four years of age they have what we call a 30 million word deficit or word gap from children who live in um average income families. Um, that's a that's really a, a difficult thing for us to hear because, as you would expect, that immediately puts a child behind. Um, again, this is not an indictment against um, lower-income families. This is saying we need to help parents do better. We need to get out there and get the information out on what we can do to help expand all of our young children's vocabularies to help them be ready to start. Um, I'm delighted that we have um, another call. We have Harry waiting from Vidalia, but I'm going to go first to um, Dr. David Buys, who is here from the Extension Service. David, thank you. Welcome for being with us. Thank you for having me. So um, Dr. Buys is a state health specialist and research professor with Mississippi State University Extension Service. And so, um, David, I, I had asked you to give us a call and tell us a little bit about what what kind of services um, you have, the Extension Service, which all over the state, right? That's right. We have offices in every county in the state. We're very proud of that fact um, that, that we are within 30 minutes of every Mississippian. Uh, they can drive to our office and, and walk in the front door and get assistance right there. We also are fully aware that people are transitioning more and more to getting their information online. So we have a very strong presence on the web. Uh, you can dial into our website check out our social media presence, um, and we are, we are there for Mississippi, providing research-based information, um, be it in person uh, via our workshops or, mm-hmm. or the news articles that we put out, publications that we release. Um, we're, we're there for Mississippi. So will you give us that website now, and then we'll, we'll also post it? Yeah, on, just uh, extension.msstate.edu. So again, it's extension, E-X-T-E-N-S-I-O-N dot M-S state dot E-D-U. Perfect. Okay, well, I really appreciate that. Um, Dr. Buys is uh, got, they, they have a lot of information with the extension service from um, parenting classes to, to online information. So we want to make sure that everybody knows um, that, that they have that to access it it's free right it is it is free occasionally there may be a small fee if we're providing a meal um with a with a class but i would say that nine times out of ten the classes that we offer are free um we are supported by the mississippi um by mississippi by the state uh we're a university and 
part of our mission as a land-grant university is to be accessible to everyone, and that is what we're here for. That's wonderful. I think so many times people think of Extension Service, and they think of Home Ec and 4-H and cows and that kind of thing, but but there's so, so much more, so I would encourage everybody to take a look That's at that. right, and if I could just add that if folks sure. would, if, if they would reach out and ask for the for the classes, if they could pick up the phone and, and call their local Extension office, and by the way, you can find those numbers on our website. So okay. if you if you go to that website that I provided, extension.msstate.edu, and, and search for your county, there's a, a very clear place on the website where you can search for your county office. Call those local folks. You probably know them. You might go to church with them or see them in the grocery store. You're going to be maybe surprised that, oh, yeah, that person's uh, child's in school with mine. That extension <laughs> agent, I, I know them. Ask them, what do you have to offer right. around parenting? things that can help me and my community, my, my church, those requests help us know how to prioritize the work that we do. Wonderful. Well, I hope everybody will get on the phone and do that or get online. And thanks so much, David, for calling and letting us know what what's out there. Thank you, Dr. Butchers. All right. Have a great day. You too. Well, let's go on to Harry and Vidalia. Harry, you have some comments. Yes, I'd like to relate to you a child I know that was raised like this and get your comments. Okay. Uh, when her mother got pregnant, she wouldn't even be around secondhand smoke, wouldn't even take an aspirin tablet for medication. Right. And and uh, also she went on a diet, and if it said six ounces of uh, red meat, she'd weigh it. She was that precise. Uh-huh. She started uh, putting earphones on her abdomen and playing uh, classical music 15 minutes twice a day. Wow. And when his child was born, she had to prop her up. She was so small and started tracing the, the letters of the alphabet and pronouncing them. The bottom line is, when she was three, she was reading on a second grade level and started taking piano lessons. Wow. And she's uh, a senior in high school now, National Merit Scholar made 36 on ACT in English, 34 overall, and is a gifted pianist. And it just, seeing how she was raised and all the the background, it makes me realize that we really might be missing the boat on so many children. Well, you know, Harry, uh, that, you know, you're pointing a case out now. How much of that was genetic and how much of it was environmental? And I will tell you that, that, um, Probably the majority of it was environmental, um, is the honest truth. I mean, maybe maybe she had great genes. It sounded like a very dedicated um, mother. Um, let me ask you this. Is the child well-adjusted otherwise, socially? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Elected class president. Oh, wow. Student of the year. Yeah. And uh, she just excelled at everything she yeah. She's done. Yeah. So, so you know, um, again, on this radio show, we've talked about nurture versus nature. How well, one, m- of the things, one of the yeah. things, too, is that uh, she is an only child, and her mother was a stay-at-home mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure that had a lot of influence on the, on the child, the way she's turned out. Well, being able to stay at home and raise your child is something that— uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, many many mothers 
can't do are are honestly are dedicated to their career and are not um, and and really want to have children, but also want to be dedicated to their career. So, you know, you can have a fabulous outcome of a child, even if you work full time, if you afford the right kind of opportunities, stimulation, if you talk to your child, if you read to your child and you give them the opportunity. So, um, again, I, I think the nurture versus nature, uh, we know from what we call now epigenetics that it's not just what you're born with, but it's your environment, your surrounding, what's fed into you, um, how you are nourished that makes all the difference in the world. So. Um, yeah, and what you what you talked about, Harry, is to a lot of what that mother did as far as stimulation was not requiring a whole lot of money, right? right. So um, again, now I was not a stay at home mother. I think as anybody who listens knows, is if I'm a physician, I worked full time. I still have five very well adjusted children. So um, you don't have to feel guilty for working, but you do need to make sure that your child's getting the proper interaction, the proper care, and the proper nurturing. Um, that's really important. And if you live in a low income family. Try to find every single resource out there. There are resources, just like our extension service. I want all our listeners to reach out if you need some help. So, Harry, thanks for your call. That's a thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you. Well, um, let's go on. We have Ann in Tupelo. Ann, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. I'm calling from Tupelo. Um, I. I do agree with you. There's, of course, I think the playing field might be becoming more level as more parents let their children just watch videos in cars. And I'm just aghast they don't take that time to talk to their kids. Mm. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a mama who, every time she put us in the car, she would say, we're driving north on State Street right now. And she always <laughs> gave the direction we were going and then street name and just those little things of, you know, getting your child to talk to you and look at things. I loved your example of the beans, and I love the example of being excited when a child pronounced something and then giving you some more words to, to go with that word. But um, I help with a little family, and this year I picked up one of the kids from school and had her in the car and just asked her, what did you have for lunch today? And she kind of shrugged her shoulders, and I said, well, tell me what you ate. What did you have for lunch? She hadn't had lunch, and she hadn't eaten lunch for five weeks. Oh. And when I took her to, her to her house, I told the mother, I said, do you realize that so-and-so hasn't had lunch for five weeks? And she said, no, how do you know that? And I said, I asked her on the way home what she had. <laughs> and then I've been trying to encourage this family to talk to each other about their day, but it's a it's a house I'm sure where from the, parent, the mother's parents probably, just like you said, didn't talk to her, but again, community reaching out and getting mothers to ask questions and getting children to describe stuff to them, I think is so important. And um, thank you for your radio show so uh, much. And thank you. Yeah. And thank you for that example. And you may have saved that poor child. Can you imagine how learning is impacted when they're not eating lunch at school? So um, that child was hungry and the mother likely didn't even know. So 
just again, it takes no money to talk to your child. Um, it, and and honestly, I cannot remember the percentage, but it is a huge percentage of individuals who have cell phones now. It it takes no money to access online stuff um, for if you for reading for intervention for um, you can go to a library. Like I said, you could go to the extension service. Um, there's so much out there. And and like I said, there's some online examples that we'll, we'll have on our um, website, on our Facebook page, so that you can look at this and, and review the information out there. But Anne gives a really good example of it doesn't take any added income to just talk to your child about his or her day. And so you, um, Anne, were um, someone, uh, it sounds like, if if not related to the child, just a, a friend who's trying to help out another family. And that's what we need to do in our state. That's the way we can make a big difference. So how to get over the word gap. We'll go on to our final break. We still have time for more callers. We'd love to hear further examples about what you think we need to do to bridge that word gap, how we can help other children, if not our own, develop a better vocabulary and have a better future. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about bridging the word gap, the word deficit that children have who live in impoverished home by the time they're age four is 30 million. We need to wipe that gap away. Um, we have a caller. I'm going to go straight to Gary in Columbus, Georgia. Gary, thanks for calling. Hi, thanks for having me on. I am the exception to the theorem that we're discussing here today. I was raised in a vocabularily bereft household. Uh, the quiet, silent father, the socializing mother who had no time for her children. Mm. And yet I went on to be an early speaker. Uh, by kindergarten, I was basically speaking at a Trump level. And <laughs> then I went on to graduate from Ohio State, became a journalist, went into the Marine Corps and became quite the prolific speaker. Um, but I do see what you are speaking of uh, as I travel around the country. Um as to what was done with me, I was raised by television. Mm. I was plopped down in front of a television and left. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to have no ill effect on me. Um, but I do see it across the spectrum 
And I'm wondering if social media uh, has any um, deliratorious effect on younger children. Yeah. If your if your uh, expert there has any thoughts on that. So um, the actually Judy is no longer on the phone, Dr. Carta, but um, but I will say that media is one of my areas of interest and expertise. And there has been a lot of concern about um, the the issue with media. One of the main reasons is that, like we were talking about earlier in the show, if a child speaks a word, if you respond to the the television or if you respond to your your phone or your computer and you don't get reinforced back, then then what do you do? So I think that that's one of those things that we have to just keep in mind. Um, media sometimes does not reinforce the right kind of behavior that we want. So you need face-to-face interaction to learn how to interpret gestures, to learn how to interact socially well, to have that back-and-forth conversation that Dr. Carter was talking about so I think uh, well, it's, I know it yeah. uh, it definitely has no help to children uh, as far as vocabulary or grammar goes I know that right right <laughs> so Gary you 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 are the anomaly there's probably someone that you can track back in your life um, who perhaps was that great support um, but congratulations on turning out the way you have it sounds like you're you're in great shape, and we really appreciate you calling all the way from Georgia to to interact with us on this. Georgia has a fabulous program called Talk to Me Baby, and we'll be working um, on on with them on that for our state also. So thanks for your call. We're going to go next to Teresa in Jackson. Uh, Teresa, we got a couple of minutes for you to. Uh oh, Teresa fell off. Oh, I'm not sure what happened. Um, So I'm sorry that um, we somehow dropped your call, Teresa, but um, we appreciate your call. We're kind of running down to the wire with time. So what I would like to say in summary is that just to piggyback on to um, our last caller, Gary's call, is that you you really – you can overcome if you feel like you're uh, a child's in a really quiet home by having someone else out there who can who can help. It might be a teacher, it might be a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or a friend like one of our earlier callers who talks to the child to reinforces the right conversation. So the good news is we can make a change and we can make a difference and and it's free. You just learn how to talk and to have that back and forth exchange with the child. Reading is great, but if you're not a good reader and and you're worried about reading out loud to your child, talk to your child. That's all you have to do. So we'll continue to work on this as we move through um, the the next few months and um, hopefully we'll have uh, get our, all of our children on an even kill. I appreciate everybody who called in, Dr. Carter, Dr. Bies, and and all of our callers. Today's show was engineered by Java Chapman. Our call screener was, I believe, Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's 
Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. 